You're listening to Michael. Just Michael. Okay, so here's the thing. While recording this episode, if something could go wrong, it did. Well, okay, fine, fine. It's not quite that bad, but I did lose my connection to our call multiple times, which by itself wouldn't have been too bad. But add to that, Joe's recording device unknowingly came unplugged and lost battery backup about 20 to 30 minutes into the recording. And, well, we present to you just Alan's portion of the show. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Instead, here's our backup audio, but know that the quality isn't up to our usual standards. Enjoy. You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 135. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And check us out at codingblocks.net.net, where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and a whole lot of other stuff. And while you're up there, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. I say up there on the interwebs. Follow us on Twitter at codingblocks.net, or geez, follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. <laughs> Or head to www.codyblocks.net and find all our other social links there at the top of the page. And with that, now that I can speak again, my name is Alan Underwood. I'm Jurisak. And I am Michael Outlaw. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform for end-to-end visibility into modern applications. And the University of California Irvine Division of Continuing Education, one of the top 50 nationally ranked universities, UCI offers over 80 certificates and specialized programs designed for working professionals. Okay, so I made a bit of a promise last time. Uh, <laughs> maybe a bit of a mistake. I don't know. Uh, but I, I said... Should, I think we should just maybe just get right into the reviews because that's what everybody <laughs> wants to hear first. Before, before. Okay. Yeah, before. Uh, so uh, looks like I've got a few to uh, to read here. Does someone want to keep count? Uh, okay, I, I can keep count. I think the magic number was 70. Is that right? 17. 17. Uh, if, if we get to 70 reviews, uh, I was going to I was gonna do something. It doesn't matter. Okay, uh, we'll remind you. All right. So uh, let's get this count going. So we got... ACMA, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, three, two, two, five. Okay, that's one. Uh, R2K, 101. Two. Super Good Dave on a different platform. Three. And uh, Super Good Dave had an interesting suggestion here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring that up a little later. <laughs> uh, Viz underscore one. That's four. Uh, Asaurus Rex. Five. Uh, Brain Swart. Six. Profit. Seven. Joe's Got Talent. <laughs> Eight. Uh, runs with Scissors. Nine. All right, and over on Stitcher, we got The Dude 01. Ten. Bama Boss J. Eleven. One dot with two dot, one, one with two dots over the O. I got to tell you, honestly, the numbers are getting so high, I'm having trouble keeping count, but I'm not a fingers. Well. Okay. Uh, Mustard Maker Deluxe. 13. Only Raul. 14. Agent Shrapnel. Uh, what was that? 15. Yale. 16. Developer. <laughs> 17. And Eats Glue. <laughs> Number 18. So thankfully, we did not hit 17. <laughs> we went over. <laughs> no, no, no. 
so yeah for real so i promise a song and this is not going to be like that tattoo thing uh i'm working on a song i'm i'm not going to do it live uh, i want to do something a little bit better than that so uh you're gonna have to wait one more episode then you're gonna get a super duper good surprise what we yep. gotta wait yeah trust me it's worth it oh. i mean i can give you a little me 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 right now but you're gonna want to wait I, I I need something for my soul here. Like I feel like we deserve something. We've been okay. already. Right. Give us some handsome brothers or something, man. Come on, hand, hand okay. Um, <laughs> handsome brothers, handsome. Bop, yeah. top, top, doom, bop. You know they're brothers in real life. Yeah, yeah, I do. No, I think I even know the verse to that. Uh, that's awesome. So yeah, that's a, that's a sneak preview, but stick around. It's going to be much better for real this time. Oh, that's beautiful. All right. So we've got a few pieces of news here. So Joe went Joe light on this one. Um, the first one, Mike or G actually, I, it's actually Mike RG, I think is what it is, but we always call him Mike or G. So he knows who we're talking about. He gets a mention on every episode. So he shared this on Slack the other day, and I saw it like three days later because I've been so swamped of late that I haven't been on there much. But um, so Zoom is bringing end-to-end encryption for all users, and I think that's actually starting up in July. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, We've talked about it before, and while Zoom definitely had a lot of egg on their face in the beginning, they've definitely come back pretty hardcore, right? Like, they, they've put some effort into solidifying their platform, so kudos to them. And then one of our other friends mentioned this the other day, so I don't know if you guys have ever looked into these. You ever heard of the Intel nukes, the no. NUCs or NUCs? So. It's basically it, the easiest way to paint the picture is if you look at one of the uh, Apple minis, that small, that little itty bitty tiny form factor, that's essentially what the nuke is. And I forget it's something computing. Um, what does nuke stand for? We have to do this live nuke stands for next unit of computing. All right. So Whoa, these were like right. the Intel versions of these little tiny computers. Well, the way you typically buy them is you'd buy an Intel nuke and it would, you know, it it might have an i5 in it and then it would have two slots for RAM and it would have a slot for an SSD, a slot for a drive, something like that, right? So it's sort of like a bare bone system with the processor and the motherboard and then you pick the rest of the components. Well, so that's really cool if you wanted a little tiny thing that maybe you wanted to be portable that you could take and, and do things with. Ryzen just came out or Asus just came out with a Ryzen version of it with the next gen, the 4,000 series Ryzen chips, dude, these things are going to be really powerful in a little itty bitty box. And the prices look like for the high end one, the 4,800 U looks like it's going to be about 500 bucks. So you can get that thing. It's going to be eight thread 16 or uh, eight cores, 16 threads in this little itty bitty box up to 64 gigs of RAM, an M.2 slot, a 2.5-inch SSD slot or drive slot, and this thing supposedly will drive up to four 4K monitors out of this little tiny box. So really, really interesting. If if you're looking for something that's kind of powerful, will be quiet and, and itty-bitty, that, that might be a great option. 
You know, speak of hard drives, have you seen the the hard drive on the PlayStation Five? I have not. Uh, it's uh, something special. I don't quite understand it. Um, so I don't really know what's special about it, but they're saying uh, 5.5 gigabytes per second. And, uh, you know, compared to an external hard drive of, you know, like around a hundred megabytes per second. So it's, uh, yeah, it's huge. Who usually fast. You said 5.5 gigabytes per second. Yeah. That's faster than most of these NVMe SSDs out there yeah. right now. I don't know what they did, but it's basically, it's getting close to like Ram type speeds on a 825 gigabyte hard drive. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what's special about the PS5, hardware-wise. Yeah. yeah, they're saying at least 5 gigabytes per second. Since yeah, crazy, huh? Awesome. Yeah, it might be a game changer in terms of like games. If you can load assets that fast, then that maybe takes a lot of like pre-baking and kind of stuff that you have to normally do in the, in the pipeline uh, out of it. So maybe uh, speed up iteration and make life better, which makes games better. Very cool. Are, are you going to do, what's the price on the PS5 going to be? Any speculation rumors yet? Uh, so no, uh, I've not seen anything like that yet. And they definitely haven't announced it, but I don't know. It looks expensive. Okay. All right. So that gets into your tip here or, or not tip um bit of news. Yeah. So the reason I know about all this stuff is because I was on a podcast talking about PlayStation five and JRPGs. And, uh, I think we talked about <laughs> referenced like 2000 games at least, uh, on there, new and old. And, uh, it was a podcast called gaming fix. And that's Fix, F-Y-X. Amazing podcast. I've been listening for a while. Uh, you got to check it out. Uh, I was on there. It's possibly the only podcast that's longer than uh, Coding Blocks. <laughs> so, you know, pour yourself a couple of hot chocolates and nestle in. Uh, it was a really great time. So really appreciate it. And I got a link here to the episode I was on, but you should just subscribe because it's awesome. That is excellent. Yeah. So, I am curious. Uh, so you said it was longer. How long did this one go? Uh, it was about two hours and I think 45 minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's pretty good. So I guess it's not actually longer than this. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's that's slightly longer than us. I don't know that we've gone that long. It's close. It is close. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what are you talking about today? Uh, Outlaw's busy typing things. Yeah. I think his audio went out. So uh, it's up to us. Oh, uh, yeah. We are, we are getting these. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll carry on here and maybe he'll be able to rejoin. Um, and, uh, we'll just kind of keep the show rolling to then. Yep. So you want to introduce us then? Yeah, sure. So, uh, we're talking about the 2020 developer survey published by stack overflow within the same year that it came out, which has never happened before. Usually we're quite a bit late, but we're very exciting. I don't know how much you've looked at this Alan. I haven't looked at it at all yet. I wanted to be fresh. I've poked around a little bit in here. So I hit like uh, when you go to the page, there's a bunch of cards after you scroll down past how many people have done it. They've got a bunch of little cards on the screen. I looked at those just to kind of get kind of what their high level hits were. Yeah. Um, but I haven't dug into the survey results yet. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing where this goes. So I've only heard two things about the salary survey you know, which is kind of ahead of time in the circles I run in. Uh, one was that they really tried hard to get like a more diverse uh, kind of set of responses. So they tried really hard to, um, you know, just get uh, get into other communities and, and reach out to other communities to get kind of a, a better um, set of uh, kind of experiences, I guess. And so um, that was really cool. I know that's a big problem with a lot of surveys where 
like I've seen JavaScript surveys that come primarily out of the React ecosystem, for example, and they only get like a certain kind of responses and you'll see one coming uh, or based out of the Angular community. That's something uh, much different. And so, you know, there's like technology diversity. And there's, there's, they, they kind of went at the diversity angle from uh, from all angles. <laughs> and uh, so I think that's going to make it a better survey than we've ever had before. And I also heard about uh, people's favorite languages. So on the diversifying thing, one of the interesting things that they pointed out in one of those cards that I was mentioning is they actually usually in the past, they would basically send the survey out to Stack Overflow users, right? Like, hey, go take the survey. They tried different approaches this time, like going to social media sites and that kind of stuff. Like people that weren't just on Stack Overflow, they were trying to get other developers from other areas to do it. and. it's funny, like I commend them for doing that, right? But (laughs) with that, they said that of all the people that took the survey, 0.3% of the people who took the survey had never visited Stack Overflow before. So developers visited Stack Overflow. And that's fair, right? Yeah, I mean, most everybody has. So, But it, it just goes to show that a lot of developers go to Stack Overflow, right? So trying to trying to reach that audience through some other, even if you go to Facebook, right, and you tried to target users on Facebook, it's probably not going to get the same result that you're going to get on Stack Overflow. But it was interesting. Did yeah, we say? The, go ahead. I was going to say reading about the results they got. Did they say that? Um, it sounds like the the results were uh, in terms of like demographics weren't that different. Uh, they got a slight uptake in uptick in some minorities, not others, uh, a little bit more in, uh, f- from female uh, respondents and LGBTQ uh, were about the same. But, uh, it, you know, it, I'm glad that they're trying and trying to make things better. And so hopefully they, they keep at it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only way it does get better is if people are actually making the attempt. So that's cool. I don't know if we said how many people actually took the survey, but the people that they reached out to, they had 65,000 people take the survey. And yeah, the interesting thing that Joe said is they were trying to get they were trying to diversify the the people that were taking it. With that, they actually called out that in the past their goal was, hey, we want to be the survey that the most developers take, right? And this go around their target was instead of, hey, instead of getting the most developers on the planet doing it, let me get the most diverse group of of developers to do it, right? So they really did change their focus completely. So that's that was really cool. And still, 65,000 people taking a survey is a lot. Yeah. Oh, oh, here's here's another thing that's a, a very important key takeaway from this. So these surveys were taken pre-pandemic. So um, I want to say, I don't remember if they said it was a January or February, February, but this, say what? It was February. Okay, in February. So, and the reason that's important to call out here is because when they start talking about salaries and that kind of stuff, Note that this happened before people started losing jobs and all that kind of stuff, right? So, so that's why they call it out, and it it, it is a very important thing to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, oh, and working from home, right? And working from home now. And, and there was one other thing that was really cool that was just a call out on this: is this data is available? I I don't think I ever knew this in the past, and maybe it's always been this way, but they release their survey results um, under the open database license. So I don't know where you go get it, 
but you can absolutely download this data and play with it. And if, you, if you're into machine learning or want to learn machine learning, maybe there's some really cool stuff that you can glean out of this, right? So, interesting. Yeah, so um, you want to dive in here into most love languages? That's like their top square here, and it's the one thing that I've heard the most about. Let's do it. All right, so uh, have you guys heard of this one already? Or have you already looked? I hadn't looked. I had to look. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, my boy, uh, my my language of of uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's my favorite. Kotlin. <laughs> we'll just say Kotlin. Programming language Kotlin is number four on most loved languages, and I'm glad to see it up there. That's Two really cool. On the list too, which I love. Wait, wait. So hold hold on. All right. So we're gonna have to go in order here, otherwise it's gonna be crazy. So. Outlaw, you haven't looked at it yet, right? No. What do you think no, the number having, one? I, I was having like networking issues, uh, so like I I missed a lot of the call. So I'd like to go back to hear like why Joe didn't sing, because <laughs> everything's been quiet for me up until like the last couple of minutes. So um, you missed the umbop. Yeah. Oh, I did. I missed that. Um. Okay. So what was the question? What do you think the number one programming language is? Most loved, most loved. Not not number one, most loved. Mm, most loved because, okay. That's cause, a different thing. Yeah, because I was going to say like probably something like a JavaScript if it wasn't before you said most loved. Because <laughs> now that you classified <laughs> it, I'm like, wow, that, that clearly takes away JavaScript. Um. Oh man, most loved. I mean, I'm oh man, my top three choices. Let me let me just like you know talk this through. Let you hear hear my my uh, thought pattern on it. Would be probably I hear a lot of good things about. I mean, Colin's up there, but Rust and Go are up there. Yep. So, uh, mm, I'm mean, I'm hmm. going to say, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Rust. As most that, loved. That is it. And it's pretty, oh, dude, pretty high. that out. That was awesome. Yeah. How do you get 86%? I don't, I don't understand really? this percents. Yeah, no, it's, I, I mean, I don't know what 86% actually, hold on. Oh, it's wait, wait. it says right here. No, no, no. Percent of uh, developers who are developing with the language or technology and have expressed interest in continuing to develop with it. So my guess is, there was probably something on the survey that was like, Hey, what language do you program? Hey, which ones do you want to continue programming in? (laughs) I'd like to point out, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at it now and I'd like to point out that, uh, I got, um, you know, three of the top five. So that can't be a bad thing. You really did. That's pretty. And so three of the top five. So let's go through the top five, right? Um, rust was 86.1%. Like that's really high. That's, you know, almost nine out of 10 people that have touched it. Love it. Um, TypeScript was number two at 67%. Python three, 66%. Kotlin four, 62%. And Go five. And then there's a bunch of other random things down below it. What? Let's see. C Sharp landed at what? Number eight. Eight. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. About 60%. So uh, neck and neck with Swift there. Uh, JavaScript is at 58%, uh, higher than I expected. It's fine. 
uh, R was in there. I was really surprised to see that. Also, I was surprised to see that Haskell had 51% of people saying, or rather about 50% of people that were like, mm, mm, I would kind of wish I wasn't. <laughs> They're on the fence. Yeah. So, so seeing as how we're all on this chart right here, who, who wants to take the dreaded one? I'm not going to click on it yet. I've seen it. So, Oh, okay. So you take it then. Uh, uh, uh yeah. Wait, so you take it. <laughs> well, what do you think is most dreaded? Uh, I, I actually clicked on it and I saw the number one result. Okay. So I think outlaw needs to, uh, okay. So I don't know what I'm number two it again. If I'm talking through it again, yep. I'd have to say that, um, anything VB related <laughs> would have to be up there. But I also remember objective C being kind of painful. So I don't know, like, but it's been a while and maybe Xcode got better, but you know, there was the whole move to Swift uh, a couple years back. So maybe it didn't like favor uh, Objective-C so much. So those are the two that are coming to mind first as like most dreaded language. I'm going to go with VB. So, so here's the thing though, before we go to this, uh, or not outlaw Joe is if we're looking at the most loved, those two that he just said are at the very bottom of that list. So yeah. do we expect the dreaded to be the complete inverse of this? Yeah, I would think so. Okay. So so VB, you said, number one, hated. Is that correct? I, VB, I'm going with VB as the most hated language, yeah. This is why you buy to be the survey MC. You're too good at this. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did I get it? You got number one and number two. Did I really? Yep. Hold on. Okay, I'm looking at the results now. Yes! Yes! Dude, how? what does this say about your language, though? Like, let's let's get real here for a second. What does this say about your language that people hate it more than assembly? That <laughs> 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 there aren't a lot of assembly programmers? I mean, like, if you've ever looked at assembly, I'd rather... I'd rather so many things in my life than assembly. Now right? it is weird. They they call out specifically VBA, which is like Visual Basic for Applications. Which that's a that's weird VB. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, I think I said all anything VB because I wasn't going to make the distinction between like a VB six versus a VB dot net. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I think VBA is you can bundle anything VB script, VB anything in there, right? It's just a weird distinction, is what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't because otherwise like there is no other VB in this list. Yeah. Weird that they would call it out like that. Oh, but you know what, man, I, this, we totally, if you look at the percentages, by the way, it's completely exactly what I said. It's inverse. If you take a hundred minus the 19.6 and that gives you 80.4, right? So it's completely the list flipped over. Yeah. All right. So we're geniuses. (laughs) Yep. All right, so then there's no right. way that they did this for most wanted. I'm ga- have you looked at most wanted, Joe? Yeah, I have why, not. Why do you keep doing this, man? Well, I, I got to click the button. <laughs> I haven't looked either. All right, so ask us a question. All right, so this is most wanted are the percent of developers who are not developing with the language, but they want to be. Hmm. So what do we think the language is that most developers uh, said they're not working with now, but they would like to be? Huh. <sighs> Hmm. I'm gonna go Swift. Swift. Yeah, Apple. Okay. So I mean, you you don't, you don't want to talk out your thought process there, huh? 
I did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no process. Uh, what I'm going to take away from that. Huh. I mean, I would think that the most loved are probably pretty up there. Are these the most wanted? Like, what was, how did you define that again? Is this like I've never touched it at all ever? Or maybe I've played with it in my free time and I would like to do it professionally? Uh, who have who are not developing with the language or technology, but have expressed interest in developing with it. See, I'm thinking that, I mean, obviously because of the, like the love that Rust and Go get, I would think that they would be up there, but I'm thinking Python. Dude, up there. Are you cheating. Python. you're I cheating. I am not. I am not. <laughs> Outlaw is capable of cheating. <laughs> I think you might be right. So I'll take that back. <laughs> I'm just saying like Python is a, is a very uh, popular language. And, and with all the love, you know, that, that you hear for anything data science or machine learning that that would inspire a lot of people like, Oh, I want to do Python. Even if they like, if that's not their day job, you know, they might want to learn Python just so they could do some, you know, machine learning kind of stuff. I, I will say this. Here's the funny part. So Python was number one, 30% of people, you know, three, three out of 10 said that they wanted to dabble in some Python, right? Here's the part that's shocking to me, Josek, in oh. Outlaw, is JavaScript is number two on this list at 18%. So two out of 10 people haven't touched JavaScript? Where are these two <laughs> people on the planet that haven't yeah. messed with JavaScript? And they want to. Yeah, that one's weird. Yeah, they're they working in assembly right now. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they want to. <laughs> that is crazy that I went three for three. You really did. This is going yeah. to like crash and burn from here on. I'll be like, I'll be wrong every time. You, you set the bar way too high, man. You yeah, can't start off like that. Now, there is a, a margin of error here because... 0.7 respondents have said that they want to work with VBA, even though they're not right now. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't even make sense. Those are the lonely souls. Those are the people who accidentally clicked the wrong box and didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? We probably just lost three subscribers for that. You, you, <laughs> you know, when, when, oh, sorry. You, you remember when we were making fun of PHP for a minute and, and we got somebody who was so mad. It was the first episode that he'd ever listened to. Yeah. yeah, that was unfortunate timing. It really Sorry. was. Yeah, Sorry about that. I just realized when you made that comment about uh, more people uh, hate your language than uh, than assembly. Like Pearl was in that list too. That <laughs> was, uh, most it was more dreaded than assembly. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel. We know you're out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So what's the next one we want to jump to? So I scrolled all the way back up to the top of the page, and the very first section they got there is geography. I think that one's interesting. Okay. But, but I mean, okay. Let me ask this though, because based on what you were guys were describing, like this is where I, where I joined in on the call where you were talking about like how they had tried to um, diversify, like who they were reaching out to for the results. So is their question on geography then going to be a reflection of like where they try to get respondents from? I think it's where the respondents were. Yeah. I don't know if it's where they tried. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, let me, let me rephrase this a different way. If they had just generically said, Hey, everyone who wants to participate, please answer our questions. But what I gathered from what you described at the beginning, that's not the case. They didn't like open it up to the, to everyone. And instead they targeted specific areas. So I'm asking like, is the geography going to be reflected in that? 
Yes, that will be where they tried to target to get people. So what they have here is their survey respondents on the globe. There were 64,416 responses. So yeah, this is in line with what they were talking about with the diversification. Yeah, so they, I don't believe they excluded anyone. They just did it. Uh, they worked harder to try and kind of get it out to just other communities that they um, haven't before. Right, right. I guess what I was just thinking though is like if if their goal was like, oh, hey, we want ten uh, percent of their respondents to come from you know Russia, and then you're like, hey, what, how many you know how many do you think they had from Russia? Then it's going to be like whatever they targeted, for right. example. Yeah, it's not necessarily reflective of, you know, developers around the world necessarily. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like this thing where they just emailed everybody a link, and you know, only the people who got the emails were able to do it. It's it was a um, up public. Yep. So, um, looking at it, it, so this is an interesting view of it because what they've got here is it's basically a map of the globe, right? And they have these bubble. Things the, the bigger the bubble, the more people that responded from that particular area. So I'm trying to eyeball it here. The U.S. by far had the most survey respondents, right? Of any country. Yeah, at 20%. If you mouse over, it tells you the number. Yeah, so that's 20%. The next biggest looks like it's India. Yep. Yep, 13. 13%. So that right there is 33% of the entire population that was taken. Then what, what do we see next? Like the UK and Germany are like neck and neck. Yeah, they're both 6%. Poland's 2%. We got Australia's right at 2%. Brazil's coming in at almost 3%. Yeah, that's cool. France, 3%. But yeah, it looks like, man, they've got representation from almost... I mean, a lot of countries on the globe, right? Yeah, you know, if you click monthly Stack Overflow, uh, it translates. It's well. almost, yeah, it's almost identical. Yeah. So that's kind of bad. I guess that's what they're trying to get away from. They're trying to kind of spread spread out. But yeah, oh. it's hard when they're already so prominent. I want to do more of this. Uh, I want to see like, you know, how, how good my winning streak is going to be. Yeah, Since I'm always on the asking side of these surveys. <laughs> right, I'll keep an eye out for ones you haven't seen yet. Yeah, uh, the next section is about developer roles, though, and that one's kind of hard to guess at because you don't really know, you know, unless you're familiar with the, what they were kind of asking about. Oh, oh, oh! Have you looked at this one yet, then Outlaw? This is a good I, one. I've been afraid to click on any of them because I'm oh. like, I don't know if we're going to ask another question. So, all right. So, I think this is a good one. Then, what? Uh, man, I don't know how to do this in any kind of way that because there's so many different things that they have on here. So like they've got data or business analyst, system admin, designer, like there's so many different options. Yeah. Um, what if you ask like the top three and or yeah, how like, about which is the most? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, hmm. let's, let's read this off like this. So out of these outlaw, what do you think is the number one? So, system administrator, DevOps specialist, developer front end, developer mobile, developer full stack, developer for desktop or enterprise applications, or developer back end. Okay, 
Uh, I was afraid of this one because I did see this one. Oh, you cheated. Go up or back in. <laughs> but yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. But, there, there was one as I was like scrolling through and as you started saying the names, I'm like, oh, I think I saw that one. But it's only by 0.03%. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I it's only this. ahead by 0.03%, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Full but, stack. Well, it was ahead oh, of full stack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Which, there was back end developer and then there was full stack developer. Depending on who you talk to, that doesn't even exist. So that's kind of surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the full stack developer is a myth, right? None of yeah. us are that. Well, the deal is full stack is too much to know. It's it's just too much for any one person. But back end or front end is totally enough to know. That's fine. <laughs> it's just right. Because there have been people that have built podcasts on one front end technology, right? Yep. <laughs> um yeah i but, mean this one's interesting i like this one because it, it puts the three that most people identify with right there at the top right so developer back end developer full stack and the developer front end are the top three choices that people have there yeah i was kind of wondering about front end it's uh definitely lagging in that front number there and they, they got it broken out a couple of other different ways but I know for me, like when I'm like searching for something like in Google, I say like, hey, you know how to center a div. A lot of times I'll end up at a blog post over Stack Overflow. But if I'm searching like a, you know, syntax error, no, no pulling or exception in some backend framework, like Stack Overflow is where you get it. And so I was kind of wondering if like maybe there's some skew there just because of like how people kind of talk about front end issues and I don't know the kinds of things you Google for or is that crazy? So here's another question I have to pile onto that. When you say front end, a lot of people typically go to this notion of a website, but front end is also like, is that mixed in with the desktop or enterprise applications? Because there is a front end for those things, right? Yep. So I I don't know, like if you're talking about a Windows, uh, Windows presentation, right? That that's front end stuff. So yeah, but have you ever seen a, a true enterprise tool that, uh, employed front end developers as the ones I've seen definitely had back end developers doing the front end. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, it does like there is a sharp decline though in the way this thing this, this data is skewed though like like it's it's very heavy on those first three like developer uh back end full stack and front end and or, or even on the top 5 let's say so uh desktop and enterprise app developer or mobile developer. But then after that, everything like really drops off significantly after that. Yeah, including game developer way, way, way down the list. Yeah. That's probably just because of like how, you know, what do you think is more prevalent, uh, a web developer or a game developer? That's true. Right? So yeah. I think, I think a lot of this, the, the probably is just like how popular is a particular, you know, job type. Which is cooler though. You know what I'm not understanding is the, they have, so there's the all respondents, which is what we were just talking about. Then there's ones that were just based off us responses. Right. And they, the first two swapped, right. Full stack is number one, back ends, number two, and then front end still number three. But when you go to United States weighted by gender, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Like, yeah, I was trying to figure out. I think maybe what they did is they tried to normalize the uh, male female. But uh, how? Like, I don't see where that's represented here. There's no separate yeah, it doesn't lines. Tell you. 
Yeah, so I have no idea what this means. But when you do that, you can see um, back end developer jumps down a percent and uh, developer front end moves up a percent. But I mean, it's not really that different. Hey, but things hop. I do want to say that survey weighting is an approach used to analyze survey data when the survey sample doesn't match the underlying population well. For example, in our survey this year, 12% of U.S. respondents identify as women, but data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics estimate that women's population in software development workforce is about twice that. Hmm. Interesting. They double the results from... uh, from non-male respondents. So they okay. say we, we can use survey weighting to adjust for the mismatch between our survey sample and the population of developers. Okay, there we go. We have an answer. So the other thing I want to point out here is we, we had this notion a while back and is DevOps a title or is it a role? Huh. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> me? Because I got to ask, because one of the things that, that somebody or that 12% of people here of right. all respondents, they're just, DevOps specialists. Right. It just points out that this is a flawed survey. Right? <laughs> they, they messed up. They missed. They had an opportunity to be a trendsetter. You know, I'll tell you, I've been doing some more work with Kubernetes lately, though. And man, it's there's a lot to know. <laughs> there really is. There's a lot to know with Docker. Kubernetes yeah. is like Docker squared, right? Yeah, at least. <laughs> Cubed. It's like, think about how many tools there are that start with K now that have developed just around Kubernetes. Because like, these 10 billion lines aren't enough. Now we need like, I don't know, Scaffold and Istio and uh, I don't know. It, it, is, and, it uh, is nuts. You're, yeah. you're not too far off on the lines of code there for Kubernetes, wasn't it? Uh, Two million. Yeah. C lines. Yeah. I believe it was two, it crossed 2 million lines in December of 2018. So it's probably way past that now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all the nautical terms are kind of cool too. Anyway. So while you guys are looking at that, here's the next one. How many people code as a hobby? Huh. We need a number on this one outlaw. Yeah. This has to be a percentage. What percentage of people? code as a hobby um hmm. well if i'm just talking this one out i think there would be a pretty decent number are we doing um our normal like if you go over it's automatic bust you know price is right kind of rule. Oh, of course yeah okay. <laughs> everybody says price is right rules um so just talking this one out right like i think that uh Hmm. The most most of the participants uh, respondents that go to this survey are probably doing it because uh, you know they probably use Stack Overflow for work. They they are already like professionally doing it, right? Uh, and so when they have a question, it's probably work related. So, which by the way, this this survey just so that you know, they do say that these are people who who code for a hobby outside of work as well. So they might code right. professionally. So this is just the number no. of the, these people that did it. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. Cause that was about to be my question is like, are they only talking about, uh, you know, people who do it professionally or not? So yeah. Thanks Alan. Thanks. Yeah. In that case. Um, hmm. Uh, so I want to I want to I want to be conservative because I don't want to like go over it. 
but I'm kind of thinking like the number is going to be pretty decent. But there's you have to be within three percent. Oh, is that is that the thing? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm this, adding that stipulation because like I don't want you to get it. <laughs> this is like that espionage Jack in the Box game. Right, you have to hit within X number of percent. Yeah, I like that. How um, about so? Yeah, if you go over, you'll still get it, but you got to hit hit within five percent either side of it. How about that? So you have a ten percent window. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say forty five percent of the respondents. No sucker. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what it feels like to be wrong in the survey because of math. <laughs> you don't think forty-five percent of the respondents to Stack Overflow code as a hobby? Try seventy-eight percent. Seventy-eight, dude. Really? Eight oh, out man. of ten people say that they do it on the side as a hobby. Okay. Dang. Yep. Yeah, that's well, a lot. I I, uh, I failed miserably on that one. All right, Joe, don't scroll I, down. I guess, I guess that's a good thing, though, because I was just assuming that there's a lot of people who are like, you know, at the end of the workday, they're like, nope, I'm done. But I, I, guess, I guess this some is... Some days I time. am. Yeah, there are many days that we are. But, but you also have to admit, as developers, you just have a curious mind. You, you, you want to tinker with stuff, right? Like, it's just how it goes. I don't know. All right, so you guys do not scroll down. I'm, I'm going to ask you this one now. So this is years since learning to code. So this is basically finding out your experience, like how many years experience, right? Um, so let's Wait, what's see. The question, like how many years of experience do the respondents have? Yes, how many years of uh, coding since they learned to code? So the way that they they said this is there's a wide range of experience among developers who visit Stack Overflow from season to blah, 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 right? Um, So, yeah, this is basically since you learned to develop, how many years have you been developing? So um, it basically goes in increments of five years. I'll tell you that. So like zero to five, five to ten. Five to nine, ten to fourteen, fifteen to nineteen, et cetera, right? So how long do you think a vast majority of people have been have experienced developing? That 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 respond to the survey? Zero to five. Zero to five. Okay. You Joe? Three to five. Three to five. <laughs> <laughs> now I sense your frustration, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, so i think you and outlaw pick the same thing is what you're saying <laughs> um, yeah, mine's a little more fine-tuned uh, <laughs> a little uh, more classy so i will tell you that you're both wrong oh oh and you're not even both wrong in second place wow so, so a vast majority of people if you scroll down now have been programming five to nine years. 30% of people who responded said that they've been programming between five and nine years. The next chunk of people below that have been doing it for 10 to 14 years. So we got some journeymen's here. The third was actually the people less than five years. So there's definitely a lot of uh, younger. The more you've been doing it, the more you don't know when you have to go (laughs) back to the stack. So that makes sense. That tracks well. I get it. It's so not fair. So yeah, pretty interesting. Um, and then 15 to 19 was the next one. And then as it gets older and older, then it drops down, right? I mean, if you've been programming 25 to 29 years, 
So that's that's probably like a, just a trail off of the respondent data though, because like if you've been programming that long, like you probably moved on to where you aren't a developer or you're just like whatever you're, you know, maybe you just don't use Stack Overflow. Well, check this out. That's one thing that's interesting from the ones up above. It wasn't just developers that were doing this. So looking back at the all respondents on the developer type, marketing or sales professional were in there. Senior executive VP was in there. Scientist was in there. Product manager, engineering manager. So there were a lot of people that weren't necessarily developers that still took the survey. So, yeah, I I mean, to your point, usually... I say usually a lot of developers do move up through the management chain when they hit that ceiling and, you know, they've kind of gone as high as they can development wise. And, but yeah. So that was, uh, our kids come out of school like with more programming stuff. Like my, my school didn't, we had a computer class, but it was like, learn how to use spreadsheets. Oh, nowadays they have programming in high school. I mean, outlaw your kids, um, they're, they're in high school, right? Or at least one of them is, they have development classes, right? Wait, say that again? Like one of your sons, like he's in high school, right? They have software development classes there, right? Uh, he's not taking them, but yes, uh, they do have the classes. Yeah. Uh, and I know even when I was in college, right? Like it, when, when I first started college, uh, you know, two or three years ago, they were doing C++, but... um by the time that I actually had graduated college, like we were doing ASP.NET things, right? With SQL Server and that kind of stuff. So yeah, the the level of interaction and involvement with modern programming languages is definitely stepped up in, in education. That's not really fair though. I think <laughs> you should give like the first graders, you should give them like a, a laptop and a link to an ISO for Arch Linux and be like, there you go. Your homework's due next week. Figure out how to install this OS on your laptop. Get it right and get on the Wi-Fi so you can do the homework. You sign somewhere. Yeah, school of hard knocks. Yeah, man. So here's an interesting one. So I don't, I don't think we're gonna do a guessing game on this one because this would be impossible. But so the next one that they have down under the, you know, who who's been programming the longest at, at these things, right? The percentage of people. This one is. Years of professional coding experience by developer type. So I mentioned those things like the VPs and the engineer, engineering managers and all that. So check this out. This is almost exactly what you'd expect. So we're going from the most years of experience right now and then going down from there. Senior executive VPs, 16 and a half years of experience. Engineering managers, 13.8 years. System admins, 11. Uh, and then, and then it starts getting into developers and, and, you know, system administrators and stuff going down from there. So, um, yeah, it, kind of, it is interesting. At some point, people step out of their development roles after they've been doing it for a long time. They've seen how all the pieces work together and start getting into the management roles and the, you know, director type roles and whatnot. It's interesting to see. So DevOps specialist, uh, was the average 10 years, 10.5 years, uh, developer front end, back end, or both around eight. Like eight was really the minimum here, which is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I guess I should be a senior executive VP by now. Oops. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I like how they laid it out. It, what they don't tell you about when you become somebody like a senior executive VP is you think that you work overtime now. 
(laughs) You step up into that role and you no longer have eight and nine and 10 hour work days. You have 12 and 13 hour work days because you're creating presentations for, for the upper brass of the whole time. Apparently you still write code because you're having to go out to stack overflow to get some answers. (laughs) And if you think you have too many meetings now, Oh man. (laughs) Right. So, all right. What's, what do we got next here? Um, I'm afraid to click around anywhere. Yeah. So uh, I'll just kind of hit the highlights on a couple of them. So uh, 14 to 50, 15 year olds are when most people write their first line of code now, which I thought was interesting Uh, with India. Um, being the, what's this number mean? Uh, I don't know what the number means on this, but, but they're number one. Uh, when looking at the average age by country, okay. respondents from countries such as Brazil and India tend to start writing code a full two years later compared to developers. Okay. So yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the age that people write the first line of code. So in India, they're almost 17 in Brazil, they're 16. Etc. So in Germany, they start to throw computers at the kids when they're like 13 and 14. <laughs> Wonderbar. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, as far as degrees go, okay, what about uh, what about this one for outlaw? I've already yep. looked at the results. I haven't. Okay, so we'll say for all respondents, uh, we're looking at the uh, amount of education that respondents uh, have. So, um, percentage. What, yeah, if you had to guess. Here, uh, how about we'll say it this way. I'll give you three answers and you tell me which one you think uh, is the runaway winner. Do most developers have a master's degree, uh, a bachelor's degree, or some college and university without earning a degree? Okay, definitely not master's. Um, Bachelor's or just some? Uh, I mean, guess, I mean, do most people go to college? So maybe the answer is just some, I'm going to say some. So for all respondents and for professional developers, bachelor's degree blew it out. Really? 46%. I told you this was going to be a loss. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, I would have guessed the same. Huh. Yeah, that one's weird. But but master's degree was pretty high, though. Yeah, right? 22, That's which is crazy. crazy. Yeah, a, a fifth of people have their master's yep. degree. So I think this is the time where we ask, like, what what is your level of interest in going and getting? So none of us have our master's. Um, I don't think, Outlaw, you don't, right? No. And Joe Zach, I think you're like one credit hour short of having your bachelor. bachelor yeah. <laughs> something like that. Something ridiculous. Like basically you just didn't finish that last one. I, um, eight. I had eight left. Eight credit hours. That was it really? No, eight classes. Oh, like, eight classes. So two, two quarters left. Yeah. But it was like the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I saved all my, I, I mixed my hard stuff in, but like what's the level of interest of you guys of actually going back and getting a master's degree in something? I'd rather, I'd rather not. <laughs> Very little. Uh, well, I mean, it's high, but the the problem, like, I have the interest in it. I have a lot of interest in it, but from a time perspective and a cost perspective, that's the thing that like holds me back. Okay, so then let me ask another question, a follow up to it. So I think the way that this was asked just a second ago, 
the question is almost leading towards, would you get a master's in computer science? If you were to go back, so this is a twofold thing. What would you be going back to get your master's in and what would be the purpose for it? So Joe. Machine learning. So you would go back for machine learning and the purpose would be? Uh, take over the world. <laughs> so Stimpy. Real-time machine learning. That's, uh, that's an uh, area I think is super cool. Okay. So it would be something that you would actually want to learn about so that you could do for your day job or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Outlaw you. I'd be in the same boat. It would be like the two top topics that come to mind would be either uh, computer science or math. Interesting. Okay. And I say about you on MBA. Well, hold on. I say math because as it applies to uh, like machine learning, for example, that like, (laughs) <laughs> that's a very math heavy uh, topic right there. Yeah. No, I, I would totally be in an opposite direction. Just what you said, Joe, I'd probably go for my MBA and I'd be looking for business stuff like that. It'd be networking, figuring out, you know, how to make money, make more money, work for, you know, just creating connections and stuff. That's, that's what it would be. But I mean, but, you need to go to school for that. Like, I mean, if you're going to network, like, they're not going to teach you how to how to be an outgoing person and go talk to people. So, so by network, I mean like if I were to go back, I'd probably try and get into the Harvard Business School, right? Something like that. So, creating connections that I don't have. Ivy League was an option here. <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying, right? Like <laughs> if I'm going back to school and I'm going to spend my hard earned or or my valuable time on something I, like machine learning, I can go do a plural side course, right? Machine learning, I could go go research on my own. So that's, and it's not putting down kind of what you guys are saying. It's just saying I I would go a different route because I have so much access to so much information on so many development topics that I I feel like buried in it already. And and I don't want to go to a class to do more of it. Right. So that's, yeah. Yeah. MBA is kind of something like you, you, like you need that people experience. Like you can't, uh, you know, spend your nights, you know, alone in a room, dark room learning about, right. You know, relationships. Yeah. It's more about, um, you know, working with people and, and, and solving business problems, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't know that one's, that one's interesting, but yeah, my level is very similar to Joe's. It's very low. I, I don't foresee myself going back to school. Maybe ever. I don't know. See, um, what about the importance? So they asked people whether or not uh, they thought a formal education was important. And, yeah. and what do we think the respondents answered, right? Like, yeah, so I'll tell you, it's basically on a scale of like one yeah, to five. Oh, one to five? Yeah, one being not at all and five being critically important. And where do we think the respondents landed? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Ha, 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 ha. Well, hmm. I mean, you, you can have a very successful developer career without having ever uh, stepped foot in a classroom to learn anything programming related. Uh, and I mean, depending on what you're going to do, maybe some of those, uh, you know, data structures and whatnot might not even come into play. So, I don't know. I'm thinking like, oh, well, oh man, I'm thinking like 40% ish would probably say it's not that important. 
So would you say, so if I say so the not that important, say that it is one, like, so one being one, not important, right? One, not 40% important. would say one out of five. Oh, uh, well, I mean, wouldn't that just be two and three? Like, like two would be 40% and three would be 60% or maybe I'm missing. Okay. Okay. No, the number of people, if you're looking at percentage, like the percents that they have here are the number of people that chose one or the percent of people that chose two. Yeah. Oh, so am I supposed to just pick the number one through five? That was like the most popular choice. Yeah. 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 Um, so one being not important at all, five being critically important. I guess I'm going to pick middle of the road and just go three then. Got it. <laughs> you did get it. Oh, okay. Yep. But this one's actually spread out pretty well. Yeah. Where is <laughs> this one here though? I didn't. You got to scroll down. Where oh, about oh, I see. Third of the way. Wow, this, there are a lot of results on this page. Yeah. yeah. And if you remember too, um, so 46% of these respondents had uh, a bachelor's. And if you, yeah, at least a bachelor's. And so to see it, it's interesting. Um, 16% said not important at all. 10% said critically important. So those were the two that had the biggest disparity and the rest were kind of right down the middle. Hmm. Pretty evenly matched between somewhat important and very important. Yeah. I mean, I get, that's why I was thinking like, it really depends on the type of development that you do as to like how critically important it is. I mean, if you're, if you're writing code, you know, to control the Mars Rover, you know, you're going to be working in different concepts, right? Like then, you know, if you're just trying to make the logo on fire on your website. I don't know, man. Like I, 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 I don't know. I don't think that formal education necessarily leads to that. I think that the people that are, that are driven by solving problems that's almost more important than than the people that have been classically educated because I can tell you right now, like I, I know so many people that have been formally educated that that they have no idea why why interfaces matter in college. You know what I mean? Like you don't actually start getting that stuff until the rubber meets the road. And then maybe some things will click in place or maybe they won't even matter then, right? It's not till you start getting into super heavy like data structure type stuff that you're actually having to use. So I don't know. Well, I was just, I, I, maybe I was misunderstood. I'm talking about in regards to like the respondents, like the yeah. 10% who said it's critically important, it's probably has to do with what their type of job is. Totally. Right. Right. You know, versus, you know, the, the 16% who said it's not important, you know, if, if their job is just like, Oh, let me move this div three pixels over then, you know, I mean like really how often is Bellman Ford going to come up? Right. right. Yeah, it, it is true. All right. So I didn't realize that we're only like a third through this. So we're going to start screaming through some of this stuff. Well, we're so, going to take a break first, make that paper. Oh, we can do that. <laughs> That's right. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, a SaaS-based monitoring and analytics platform for cloud scale infrastructure, applications, logs, and more. Datadog uses machine learning-based algorithms to detect errors and anomalies across your entire stack, which reduces the time it takes to detect and address outages and helps promote collaboration between data engineering operations and the rest of the company. Go to a browser and check out datadoghq.com slash codingblocks today to start your free 14-day trial. And if you start a trial and install Datadog's agent, Datadog will send you a really cool purple t-shirt with a cute dog on it 
for free. And uh, once again, that URL was datadoghq.com slash coding blocks. All right. So, uh, Joe, then, I mean, you got a good track record here with the reviews. Do you want to, <sighs> you want to try your luck again? Uh, kind of no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm a little bit worried about delivering on the, uh, the promise from last time. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's super important to us. We really love them. Um, we'll do crazy things for them. And so if you could go to codingbox.net slash review and leave one, that would be fantastic. We got 18 last time, uh, which is super amazing and feels great. And uh, it's just so helpful. And so we really appreciate that. And uh, so I guess I'm saying thank you, but also if you haven't done it yet, we'd love, uh, love some more. So hook it up. All right. Well, uh, with that, we will head into my favorite portion of the show, which is almost what this entire show is. Survey says. All right. So uh, a few episodes back, we asked a very simple question. Um, you know, we're still still under this whole pandemic, but the restrictions have lifted somewhat in some areas compared to what they had. But we had asked a few episodes back, are you staying sane during these stay-at-home orders? And your choices were very simply, yes, or so the voices tell me, <laughs> or no, but was I ever sane? All right, so uh, how about, uh, Alan, you go first. I'll, I'll give Joe a reprieve since he has to keep his singing voice, uh, you know, ready. Um. <laughs> What do you think that what do you think the most popular choice was and percent? So I I honestly think that right now, if somebody were to answer today, it'd probably be different than it was two or three weeks ago, whenever this was taken. Um, because I know my sanity has been slipping from not being able to go out and do anything of late. But I think even then people were gonna say no, but was I ever saying? And we'll go with this is actually an A or B question. So it could be higher than 50%. I'll go with 60. Okay. All right. And I will go with 61% for you. uh, No, the voices tell me that I'm insane. (laughs) All right. So both of you have picked no. And uh, Alan picked it at 60% and Joe picked it at 61%, right? Yep. Yep. Now this was going back to April. So this was like, you know, right in the, the, the middle of everything going on. Right. Yeah. Man, April of- had it easy. We just didn't <laughs> yeah. know it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, to Alan's logic there, you know, just saying uh, the way he was talking that out, but the winner is neither of you. It's because no. it was lower. It was lower. Yes, was was the winning vote. Really? Oh. Yep. Yep. Like two thirds of the vote was. All yes. right. I think if you pulled them today, that would flip. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, and that's why. Like with when you were talking it out, I'm like, oh, he's he's got a good. Where's he going with this? He's on it. He's on it. Yeah. But I, you 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 then failed yourself. I did. I did. And you know, to be honest, I was feeling sane, you know, then <laughs> of late. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, maybe the trick was or so the voices tell me because like <laughs> you can think yeah. to yourself like, hey, I'm not sane right now. But then the voices be like, no, you are. You're like, Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, you're totally yeah. good. Oh. Yeah, I thought I was sane a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. All awesome. right. Well, so for this episode survey, we ask, so, hey, how do you feel about semicolons? And your choices are... Sadly, they're unnecessary evil for my language. Or my language doesn't require them and I'm a better dev for it. Or there's only a finite number of keystrokes you'll type in your lifetime. And since they're optional in my language of choice, I'm not wasting keystrokes. And lastly, (laughs) they might be optional, but as a wise man once said, never going to give you up, never going to let you down. (laughs) <laughs> now that was going to be a lot funnier had joe actually done his singing because it was supposed to be a callback and you totally ruined that for me joe uh, so disappointed, I, I do like ruining things <laughs> I, I just for the record i want the record to show that i didn't let anyone down uh, that's that's really good <laughs> This episode is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. UCI is no stranger to online education, having offered online courses to students around the world for almost 20 years now. There's never been a better time to get a quality and convenient online education than right now. You can learn from anywhere, anytime, by choosing a schedule that meets your needs. Looking to get a job in data science? With UCI certificates in data science, predictive analytics, and machine learning, students gain the necessary skills to land their data science dream job. If you're looking to become competitive in the global marketplace, advance your career, or start a new one, UCI has the resources to support you on your new path. Enrollment is now open for the summer quarter with with courses beginning as early as June 22nd. And if you're concerned about the cost, don't be because UCI has scholarship options for those that qualify. So learn more by visiting ce.uci.edu slash coding blocks to learn more and reserve your seat. Again, that's ce.uci.edu slash coding blocks and receive (laughs) reserve your seat today. All right. So bringing it back in. Yeah, so we're going to have to start cruising through these things because we got lots more. Am I the only one that really wants to skip to the technology, though? Because those were the fun ones. Like, yeah. we're, like you know, the most popular languages. Like, Yeah, I mean, that we're, we're there. Um, oh. So we did the most popular language. Um, we skipped over most popular technology, though. Uh, and that includes some things. It does include languages, which is kind of weird, but also uh, includes... HTML, which we've <laughs> debated as to whether that's a language or not. <laughs> well, it does. It does say programming, scripting, and markup languages. So, so they did draw the line and say that it wasn't necessarily a programming language. Yeah, and so you know, before we asked you what was the language you most wanted to learn, you know, this kind of thing, or like of people who worked with the language, how much you know did you enjoy it? Now we're asking basically what's the most popular. Saying like, what percentage of people said yes, I work with this. Well, that's what I want to know. Do I work with which one that's popular? Yeah, and these are the, it does say in this one, in this section for the most popular technologies, these are the most used. So people actually click these boxes for the technologies that they're using. And 
number one, unsurprisingly, is JavaScript. Right? Yep. And then HTML, CSS, and then SQL right after it. And then Python's actually up there pretty high. I, that's crazy to me. It beat out Java. Yeah, barely, but it did. I don't know if I'd call 4%. Like, that's a pretty decent percent. It's it's decent. I, yeah, I mean, there's 57,000 responses to this. But yeah, so that's... But JavaScript, I mean, I guess that's pretty crazy when you think about it, right? Like, we, we've we've gotten comments from people saying, hey, you know, I'm an embedded programmer. Could you talk more about this? Or I'm this. Would you talk more about this? And And, and a lot of times, we end up talking about things that are... I don't know that you could call them web related, but they're more of your typical like um, multi-tier type things that that we talk about, which does lend itself to the web world a lot. And this kind of spells out why right here, right? A lot of people do web related development in general. And that JavaScript doesn't even mean web development anymore. It could be a Node.js application that's doing server, server side stuff, but it spawned from web stuff, right? Now here, here's the crazy th- parts to me in this, though, is that assembly is above. Like, I get that it would be, it would be, you know, well, no, I don't even get that. It seems odd that there would be more assembly development done than VB development. That's already crazy enough. But for it to beat out Swift, like, yeah, that's, that's surprising. Yeah, I, it's a. Uh, there's some bizarre things on here. Hey, this is actually something else worth calling out. So the most loved was Rust, right? It was 86% or some garbage. It's only used by 5% of the people who took the survey. So it, it does show that just because it was the most loved doesn't mean it's the most popular by any stretch, right? The people that are using it really enjoy it. And same thing, darts on here down towards the bottom, Um like there's a, a Julia was one of the most loved ones too. And it's no, it, it's the bottom of the list. Less than 1% of people are actually using Julia. So it, it is worth keeping that in mind when, when you look at these surveys. Yeah. You I mean, know, uh, code Doobie sent on a survey uh, recently on Twitter and they asked like, if you only ha- got to pick one of these four languages to code for the rest of your life, like which would you pick? What was interesting is the languages that they chose to ask. And they said, JavaScript, CSS, Python or Ruby. Hmm. Those were really? the four choices. Good yeah. CSS. Which I'm, you know, I'm not criticizing. I was just really surprised that those were the four choices. Like out of all the languages in the list, like it definitely shows a, a heavy skew for web development, even to have CSS in there totally. and to have Python and Ruby, which are two languages I consider like very much competitors in a similar space, except the Python is also used in a whole other domain with like the machine learning and stuff. So yeah, I was just surprised to see even, you know, Ruby's a great language. I like it a lot, but uh, like Python's so far ahead of it in like every aspect now that it's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if I was learning one, if I had to pick one to learn today, there's no question. Yeah, I mean, seven, eight years ago, Ruby would have been at the top of this list, right? Pretty close to it, and it has taken a major dive. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see what language it chose because it like, it, I don't know, it just showed kind of, I, I think a little bit of like kind of, skew in like that that community's kind of thinking about things so there was no java there was no go as an option no c sharp so it, you know just interesting all right so the next section actually shocks me so these are the most popular web frameworks <laughs> right the, the ones that people are using the most number one is still jquery i guess really? so 
I guess so. Enterprise development. And it's, and it's like got a big lead. 43% of people are using jQuery. And that's, that's just shocking. Now React has gained a lot of traction, right? It's a 36%, we'll call it, and Angular's at 25. But 43% on jQuery? Like, I can't remember the last time I touched jQuery code. No. I mean, I like it. I'm trying to think, like, are these, like, why would it be so high? Like, are we talking about legacy apps? But then I was also thinking, too, like, there are some frameworks that, like, they'll still ship with jQuery because under the covers they're using some jQuery stuff so maybe maybe that's what it has to do deal with so they like did call it out or whatever you know that might use it it's kind of what i'm possibly I'm i mean they call it out right here they said we do see some consolidation as more than 35 percent of respondents use jquery react a version of angular so it, it sounds like the people that are responding are using all of these things right so they're che- they're checking multiple, but the fact that jQuery is still up there is shocking. But they might be using it just like you said, right? So React is a view only type, um, not even framework. We'll call it a library. And a lot of times, you do need something to make your asynchronous calls and all that. So maybe they are using jQuery behind the scenes with that. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it it's sad that you don't see Blazor on here. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Assembly, Blazor, those aren't on there. I guess those don't count as frameworks, though. Nah. ASP.NET is number four, uh, which is ahead of Spring, which I surprised was surprised about. Yeah. But they do yeah. have AngularJS separate. Yeah. AngularJS is the old one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, I guess I wonder if they if they had asked like what the average age of the code you worked with is. If it's 10 years, then, I mean, jQuery is still still in there. Mm-hmm. But new projects starting out adding jQuery, like, hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. The browsers have gotten so good, but, you know, maybe a lot of people are supporting older browsers. Oh, so. man, I, I see. So the next one that, that we're getting ready to hit on here is kind of interesting. This is the other frameworks, libraries, and tools. Um, so unsurprisingly, Node.js is at the top of the heap, right? More than half people use it, which is not not surprising at all. But what is surprising to me are the next two, .NET and .NET Core. I'm not surprised by that. Really? I think that's a factor of the Stack Overflow audience. Oh, that's a good point. A really good point. Really good point. Where did the Java people go if not for Stack Overflow? They just they don't need it because it's so awesome, <laughs> right? They don't have any questions to ask. It's such a yeah. verbose language that it's hard for you not to understand what you're doing. Oh. <laughs> It's so hard to figure out what to even ask on this. Like, I, you know, I'm not seeing a Kafka, but I am seeing Spark. Like, someone had to decide like what the options were here, and that's hard. Yeah, that is true. Paces is way up there. So the next one, databases. What do you think the most popular database was? Oh, hmm. MySQL. Absolutely. Wow. Not even close. I was gonna say Postgres, but you're right. Postgres is number two, and then number three. Want to take a guess, Allo? Oh, I already scrolled down. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So SQL Server, which I mean, for an enterprise database system, a, a um, licensed enterprise database system, be that high in the list, that's pretty impressive, really, because that one's got a price tag. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you have to go quite a uh, ways down before you get to another one that has a licensed cost to it, which is Oracle. Right. And it's, it's, uh, what? It's number eight on the list. So yeah, SQL Server landing in position number three is pretty significant. 
poor DB2 all the way down there, second from the bottom. Well, it's interesting to see. So MongoDB is like the it's yeah. way ahead of all the other like document database stuff. I don't really count Redis in there. I don't know. I don't know about Maria either, but it's just kind of interesting to see how far they are ahead of things like Dynamo or uh, Couchbase. Yeah. I'm surprised to see Cassandra so far down the list. I would have thought in the big data worlds that would have, that would have helped bump it up. But I guess most people are just working on, on MySQL, Postgres, and SQL Server. Yeah. All right. Like Postgres. Postgres, I've definitely, like, I've shared this before, man, but I, I've definitely had a, a love affair with it. It's, it's good. My only complaint with things like Postgres are the tooling's just not as mature as something like a SQL Server, right? SQL Management Studio is just an amazing tool. And Postgres, outside of Data Grip, it just doesn't have the same type of support in, in the tooling world. But it is, uh, the language is kind of pretty around it. Yeah, I would, I would give you that. I would agree with that. Like, I, you know, I use Data Grip, but I don't like it nearly as much as uh, SQL Server Management Studio. That's, that's still go to. Yeah, that's it. I mean, outside of that, it is a fantastic piece of technology. And, and to that end, like JetBrains, if you're listening, like why is there not a filter capability? <laughs> like I hate that. Like if, you, if you're trying to filter out your routines, for example, in uh, DataGrip, like in SQL Server Management Studio, you could right-click, <clears throat> add a filter, and just filter the list. And you could see everything that filtered to that list, right, that you, that you typed in. With uh, DataGrip, I guess they thought they were being clever because you could like click on something and then start typing away to see it, but you can't filter the results to just those things. And then right. that's a big difference. Navigating to something is not the same thing as filtering the list. Agreed. Yeah, and it doesn't find things that like are in the middle, of course. And so like if you want to say look for all tables related to users, it'd be nice if you could filter by user and see things that were, you know, prefixed with user or had a two users or maybe a user in the middle or whatever. Yeah. All right. So next one up, this one is a little bit shocking to me also, is the platforms that people are on. And number one. Got Windows. Linux. Really? Linux, yeah. Barely. I, I don't quite understand the question, though, because like, I don't see OS X on here. At, oh, no, it is. It is Mac OS. Okay. Yeah, they yeah so Linux is number one, Windows is number two, and Mac OS is way down, which is strange. But, how, but this isn't making sense to me, like, because AWS is number four. Like, how, how, how can Linux and AWS be in the same category? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not and even sure. Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi, that's hardware. That's not an OS. Like, yeah, that's right. Raspbian is the OS, right? This, this feels very. It says platform, though, right? It's a weird selection of tools. Like, I don't see Mesos at all, and I can definitely consider that a platform. I don't see Docker Swarm. Well, I guess they got Docker. Yeah. Well, look, check this out. So, this will tell you how far skewed it is. Uh, so, Google Cloud Platform is awesome. I'm certified. But it's like a, you know, distant number three, number four to Azure and AWS. And it's like two points off of Azure. It's like half a percent away from Azure on this list. Yeah. Both of those are like half of where AWS is. And, and by the way, WordPress is one of the platforms. So yeah, it's a, it's definitely odd, right? They have OSs mixed with technologies like Docker and then they've got cloud platforms and, and there's no Drupal. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Where's Drupal? I, this, well, this Drupal list is was dead up above me. in one of the other questions, by the way. <laughs> was That's it weird. really? Yeah, uh, I, f- I forget which one it was, but it was definitely up there. Um, yeah, I don't remember now. Oh, All right, it, it was web frameworks. It was the it was the least. Oh, okay. It was the least popular of the web frameworks. Huh. All right. So, hey, speaking of which, we're now down back to the, we've already done the languages. So now let's hit the most loved, dreaded, and wanted web frameworks. This does my heart good. Yeah. Have you scrolled down yet, Joe? You have, haven't you? Yeah. All right. So Outlaw, what is the most loved web framework? Okay, so I would have to say that it would be, I mean, you have the big three. So it's either React, Angular, uh, which I'm just going to like include everything Angular, um, or Vue. But I think between those three, it's going to be React. And you're wrong. Really? ASP.NET Core. Wow. Now, yeah. again, to I your point, same ballpark. Right. To your point, though, this is a Stack Overflow thing, which does yeah. tend to lead towards .NET developers. So, but I should use my own logic. But hold on, your logic was not that flawed because Reactive View were the next two, right? Um, Angular was way down the list. Honestly, it's in the middle of the pack. Like it's behind Spring, Django, Flask, Gatsby. Really behind yeah, Gatsby. Really. Yeah, it's weird. So we do have Angular JS broken out, so it's kind of weird. But you can't just add them together too, so you don't know what kind of overlap. So it's just kind of weird. Hey, I will say this though: if you've ever developed Angular JS, so we're talking in the one dot three dot X world and before, it is hated for a good reason. <laughs> it was an absolute mind bender. I remember like trying to learn it. It's like okay, there's like these seven concepts you have to learn. There's like a directive and okay, there's actually kind of like 11. <laughs> You're like, oh God. <laughs> and none of them made sense. You could go look at a repo and see the thing and still not have any idea of how it worked, right? Like yeah. it was ridiculous. All right. I, I, I got to take issue with this. I I do not buy this ASP.NET Core, ASP.NET Core being the most popular, most loved, or I'm sorry, most loved web framework. So yeah. people who use it, who like it. Right. This, this is this is definitely a factor of the Stack Overflow audience. Maybe, although although if you have written anything in .NET Core, it really is lovely, right? Uh, so, I, I I don't know, man. Uh, Maybe call it shenanigans. That's it. Shenanigans have been called. You no, might be. I think you're so right. I'm, so I'm surprised to see that 36 percent people. Uh, Worked with ASP.NET and enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it until .NET Core came out. And now I don't want to touch it. Right? Yeah. No. No. Uh, Wait, no. You, ASP. you don't want to touch ASP.NET Core? No. Uh, non Core. Yeah. Right. Non Core. Okay. okay. But cool. now they're kind of rebranding it. So. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So then the very next one that we have on the list here is the most loved, dreaded, and wanted other frameworks, libraries, and tools, which I don't totally get like i don't know how you bundle these things together but there's no way you'll guess these so .NET core itself not asp.net core was number one um torch and pytorch 2 flutter really cool number three um pandas i don't know what pandas is I, i've seen it's it a, it's a um python library okay okay um terraform pretty high on the list here yeah, so i love it 
Yeah, our DevOps folks, because <laughs> it, it is a it is a title. Um, That's crazy that that one would be that high. That oh. one's really high. Yeah. Well, look how much machine learning stuff there is. Just Python stuff like Torch. We've got Pandas. We've got Keras. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. Spark yeah. is Python or Java. Yeah, there's a lot. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Ha, here we go. What are the most loved databases? Outlaw. Give me the top three. Most loved database? Didn't we already cover this? No, that was that was most used. This is most loved. Wouldn't this be different? I mean, because hmm. MySQL, Postgres, and SQL Server... Uh, those were the most used, I guess. So yeah, most used. I'm going to say they're still the most loved. Nope, nope, nope. Redis, number one. And and Joe Joe threw down on it a minute ago. I was like, I don't even count Redis. <laughs> I just maybe I just still think of it as a cache. I've heard it's an in-memory database. So, oh. Wait, uh, you don't hear, think of it as a cache? I do think of it as a cache. Oh, yeah, me too, yeah. So I still have a hard time thinking about it like a database. I've seen some cool stuff in it, so I don't know. Yeah. Postgres, Postgres. was number Yeah, yep. Postgres was number 2 and and Jay-Z's yeah. here at number 3. Log Logstash. Lots Elasticsearch. Yeah, so oh, Elasticsearch number 3 and then Mongo after that. So yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Oh, yeah, um, if you check out Wanted, it's similar. If you check out what? The Wanted. Oh, Wanted. I uh, got gotcha. you. Yeah. MongoDB jumps up to number one. It was just interesting. We talked about Mongo. Hmm. And cool. Nobody wants DB2. Yeah. Nobody wants Oracle. The most wanted platforms. I think we skipped that because again, this is such a mixture of weirdness that I don't. I don't even know what to say about that one. Hey, Docker's number two though. So who called it? Who called it? And Kubernetes is number three. Number three. You know, I'll tell you. So I'm going to, um, like, I, Docker, I think at this point, you need to consider it like Git and start working on getting a base level competency if you're any developer, uh, with very few exceptions. And I think, and then, like, if you're working on the web, Kubernetes is knocking. <laughs> There's a, I think the time is coming where everyone needs to have, a, like, a, a base literacy in Kubernetes. So you can understand when someone says, this you know differences between pods and services and stuff like that dude i would go a step further I, I wouldn't say just web if you're working on anything that requires any kind of uh set of servers or services to talk to each other at that point you need to be looking at kubernetes the web is easy to say but i mean the, it just as a simple thing out, off the back of my head if you're working on large numbers of transactions for a credit card processing company or something right Kubernetes absolutely could be a fantastic thing for scaling up the number of workers to crunch the data and all that, right? So there's, I mean, if you need any kind of multi-tiered system that needs to stay alive, you should be learning Kubernetes right now. But can we say it's a little sad to see Heroku so far down? Yeah, it's nice. I like this. It's nice? Not that it's down. He said that Heroku was nice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not nice yeah, that it's down. Nice. Right, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I don't have a ton of experience, but it was nice for, I'd follow like, uh, you know, some getting started guy, whatever, and it'd be like a two-liner and I'd have something up there, which is nice. Well, yeah, I mean, but, how can you not? Yeah, I mean, like, let's, let's show some love for the authors of the 12-factor app. I mean. That's true. Yeah, that, that's why I'm like sad for them. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, man. You know what's funny? It's like Kubernetes has like that in its core. Like all the things that like I kind of struggled with, like, you know, thinking about like 
logging the cons to standard out and um, taking in environment variables uh, over any other format. Those things seem crazy to me at the time. And now I think you're crazy not to do those things. Right. Right. It's just yeah. fundamental to Kubernetes. And, you know, like I, I complain about the complexity of Kubernetes a, a lot, a lot. <laughs> but when I think about it, like, oh man, I had a frustrating day. I worked with Kubernetes so often. It was so complicated. Nothing worked. It was so horrible. I finally got it working. And then I sit back and think, well, it's like, well, I did deploy like a 13, you know, service uh, architecture about 80 times today. <laughs> right. Various combinations of permutations and the things that I was really upset about the complexity weren't so much with Kubernetes, but it, like just the services underneath, which I would have had to deal with anyway and would have been much, much slower if I was installing on hardware. Man, and what he just said, this is the part that people who haven't worked with Kubernetes or Docker, right? Like, he, like you said, Docker needs to be almost a core competency for people nowadays. But what you said is so important. If you were to even do a fifth of what you talked about on any, if, any given day, you couldn't have because you would have been installing OSs, you would have been installing versions of Java, you would have been configuring environment variables and all that kind of stuff. Like Kubernetes takes all that away. And now you're just trying to figure out, okay, how do I make these things talk to each other? How do I, you know, that kind of stuff, right? It, it's stuff that you would have had to have done on top of setting up VMs or hardware and other things in the past. So it's, it is crazy. Yeah, I remember uh, I worked at a web shop and we had a, a server that got uh, got hacked. Someone basically managed to, to brute force the password. We had a bad password and the SSH'd in. And, uh, you know, we got them out of there and kind of kind of fixed up what they did, we think. But it was like one of those things where it's like, well, how do we know if they didn't, you know, didn't create some other backdoor, didn't do something bad? Like, really, we need to destroy this box and set it up, but set up another one. But it's like, oh, but that's like, a lot of work and we've got other stuff we need to do you know like i kill pods <laughs> i mean just for fun sometimes like, lots of them i feel like you <laughs> need kill a all of them that says i kill pods yeah <laughs> and i i like them you know just i just have no respect for them they're just like zombies right you kill it yeah. it comes right back i mean it's it's amazing that's the whole, that's the joy with kubernetes yeah like cattle is too nice a word for them <laughs> Hey, so um, what is the most popular or not? What is the primary operating system for developers? Arch Linux. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> I'm th- I, again, if, okay, I'm going to use the same logic I said the first time with Windows being the answer because I'm, I'm thinking like the Stack Overflow audience here is going to lean Windows. Totally. You're, you're right. And that's like half of it. And then and then Mac OS and Linux are right there at 26, 27%. Yeah. I'm surprised to see the neck and neck. Like uh, when I go to a conference, like for years, like everyone had a Mac. Mm-hmm. And now it's changing. Yep. Well, I mean, in fairness, Windows, has, we've talked about it so many times, but like the Windows subsystem for Linux and all that, that's like nice. they, have, they have truly made it pretty good to work in. Although I will say Windows subsystem for Linux 2, it's annoying that you have to be on a um, preview build right now for that thing to work. So they need, they need to get that thing out there quick. When are we going to get to like, what's the most paid, uh, you know, the highest paid one. That's what I need. Oh, it's coming. We're we're coming. It's It's like the next section. Oh, is it? All right. So collaboration tools. Oh, Oh. killing me here. Let's hit this one. No, GitHub. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, and then Slack. I don't, I, as a okay, I guess yeah, that does make sense as a collaboration tool. I was going to say it doesn't, but then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, I know all the issue conversations that happen. Yeah, tons yeah. of them. 
Yeah, so GitHub, Slack, Jira, then Google Suite, GitLab, blah. All we right. don't have IRC on here, but we have Stack Overflow for Teams. Like, come on now. Yeah, you can tell who made the survey because it was really low at the bottom. Well, what's Facebook Workplace? I don't even know if I've heard I of it. I don't want to find out. How about that? Is that an option? Ooh, I actually like this one. Hold on. So researching tools. Uh, I'm going to read the blurb on this one. When researching new tools, over three-fourths of respondents like to try the tool for themselves via a free trial. Social proof is also important as over 60% of developers ask other developers they know about or develop or visit developer communities such as Stack Overflow. So yeah, um, researching tools, people will start a free trial. 77% of people will do that. So if you're a developer of a service or a tool out there and you're not offering that, you're probably missing out, right? That's, that's insider information right there. Ask developers, they know 68%. Um, visit developer communities like Stack Overflow, 64%. And then it is a cliff dive to the next one, which is read ratings or reviews, 29.9%. I'm just saying, go to datadoghq.com slash coding block, start your free 14-day trial. <laughs> right, right. All the agents see what it's all about, right? Uh, yeah, no, they obviously they know what's up. Uh, we'll skip the influence, nobody cares. All right, top paying technologies, here we go. Joe, you want to take these? I've, I've looked at them, but uh, so, you, so neither of you have looked at them? I have uh, I am looking at them. I have not looked at it. Okay, Allah, this is on you. So, uh, globally, let's see if you can name any one of the top three paying programming languages across the world. And then before we tell you that you're wrong, we'll look at the United (laughs) States. Okay. You assume I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, you will be. So, I got to name all three of the top paying. If you get one of them, I'll consider you a winner. Yeah, totally. Hey, we could even do top okay. five. No, stop okay. it. Top three. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, now you're making me feel weird. I was, okay, so here's my thought process on this, is that um, that I was thinking because of all of the data science and machine learning kind of love that Python would be up there. So that that's that's in my list here. You don't but want to take two more to, guesses? I mean, no. Yeah, no, you got to take two more guesses. Oh, I got I got to name all three at the same time. Yeah, yeah just, if, just pick any three. one of if your you three. Any of them. Any one of your three make the top three, then you're a winner. Any three of my three make the winner. And, and this is like top paying language or. Yeah, or, top paying languages. Or, but not like technology. Like you're not going to come at me and be like, oh, uh, if you're an AWS architect, then. No, these are languages. These are languages. languages. And HTML is in the list, though. HTML is in the list, but it's but, not a language. But I want to confirm: Does YAML count? Because, like, if you come at me with like a Kubernetes <laughs> YAML file or something no, like no, that, no, 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 that's part, not in here. Mad. No, no, that's right, not in here. Right. Um, Should be. <laughs> uh, so the other, the other two languages, and I guess I could already take a hint that Python wasn't in there, or else you might have already declared a winner. That's correct. Um, I might have. I might have. Uh, So Scala, maybe? I'll be doggone. Really? <laughs> yeah. You did beat. I get it? You did. Yeah. You want to take a third guess just for fun? Um uh of of most highest paid job um in the world. 
I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking either an F sharp or a Haskell. Um, okay. So um, how about we go to United States? Okay. And then do that before we, cause I don't want to tip you off. Uh, well, I want this to be hard. I, I'm okay. But isn't it, I mean, I'm, I would probably just give the same answers already. Gave. Okay. Yeah. Really? So, so it's same good. for us. Yeah. I yeah, I, I I don't I don't care to make a distinction. Okay. Yeah. It, All, right. I, All right. But did I? But but I gathered though with my Scala answer though that I did, or or were you guys just messing with me? No, so, you won. You won. You did. Yeah, you made it with Scala. But here here's the crazy part is so the top paying, yeah the oh, top paying job is Pearl. <laughs> In the world. Now, here's one thing that's crazy, right, is the, the monetary amounts here. So the top paying jobs in the world were Pearl at $76,000. And I assume that they put these in U.S. equivalents. In the United States, the top paying was Scala at 150000 So it's almost exactly double. Yep. If you wow. look at globally, Pearl and Scala are both 76K. I just either it's alphabetical or, you know, some small amount uh, right. has Pearl in the lead. And, and to be clear, though, where there were, you know, 65,000 responses on other things, uh, they, how many did we have? There were only 33,000 people that decided to put their amounts in globally on this one. So um, there was a massive drop off. In, in the U.S., there were almost 8,000 responses. But yeah, so it's Scala 150K, Go 140K, which makes sense. That's a Google thing for the most part. So not surprising there, I don't think. Objective-C, 135K. Kotlin, 130K. So So this is interesting. Like F-sharp didn't even make the list. Nope. In here. Ruby Uh, did. But Haskell did. And and in both, regardless of whether or not you're looking at global or just the U.S., a uh, Haskell outranked Python. Yep. So I was way off with my my uh, machine learning data science kind of logic there. That that didn't pay off at all. <laughs> you know what's interesting to me is um so even in in the U.S. at the very bottom was VBA and it's got an average of or sorry a median of ninety seven k. I know the developer survey for Orlando like ninety seven k is good for my area and so it's interesting to see that it's like the bottom of the list here across the United States. So either uh, Orlando has a crappy uh, environment or this is skewed towards those kind of higher density places, maybe like New York's and Seattle's. Seattle. Yeah. The interesting thing here is I did consider mentioning either go or rust and worldwide the go was three and rust was four. And then in the U S go was two and Mm -hmm. rust was like what seven somewhere in that range. Uh, yeah. yeah, seven. You know, you like how I was like, look, if you got to pick one, sorry, Ruby, uh, you should, everyone should learn Python. Now that we go look at how much you get paid. Now I'm like, okay, sorry, Python. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Time right. to pick up Ruby. Ruby is ahead of you in both lists. Not, not super far though. That, that's the one thing that is sort of misleading about the U S one, right? Is, um, yeah, it's all, a lot of close. Yeah. Ruby's 130 and Python was 120. So, I mean, it's not, it's not chump change, but it's certainly not, you know, 150 to 97. I really, yeah. I really am impressed that I pulled Scala out of my butt because I, I just literally was like, okay, let me <laughs> pick something obscure, right? It, it, like, like the, we don't see a lot in our circles, right? 
And I knew that like Scala was a big deal. And, and that's why I was like, well, instead of Java, I'm going to pick Scala. Uh, that was good logic. It worked out. Yep. It was random logic, but yeah. I don't think we can even, t- I don't even think we can talk about this, how technologies are connected. It's just a mess. So. Well, it's, it, there's some pretty interesting stuff. So like, if you look, there's like these kind of um, connected nodes, like the show, like little islands of correlation. And so if you look like there's one island that's like, you see Docker related to Kubernetes related to Elasticsearch, Redis, Postgres, AWS, Dynamo. So like, there's kind of like the kind of cloudy infrastructure kind of, cloud there and there's like this machine learning cloud where it's like if you're searching for pond for pandas or python or flask or django or uh, pytorch like that sort of stuff is in is up there what's weird to me is java is closely connected to android i kind of expected that to be its own thing and then like spring is correlated to java and they actually have a thing up top with like spark hadoop and scala it's off on its own little island which is weird to me mm-hmm so, you know, it's cool, but in the web, of course, there's like this whole big um, ecosystem for like HTML and JavaScript and React, and like all the kind of web technologies. You see MySQL over there, MariaDB, uh, and then there's also a little island for .NET. So can we stuff. talk about the elephant in the room then? Uh, which one? Is it really supposed to be pronounced Pondus? <laughs> no, no, I just, <laughs> I just did that. I mean, I know we, we know my track record with proper nouns, so, you know, but okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, the that eighteen those eighteen reviews wore out my uh, pronunciation skills. <laughs> All right, so let's see what we got next: learning and problem solving, the frequency that people learn new things. This one's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, most most people learn something every few months. A third of people, so thirty seven point three percent, try and pick up something new every three months or every few months, once a year is basically 37% again. What's so every f- two thirds of the population here and the respondent population are learning something at least once a year. Yeah. If yeah. not multiple things once a year. You know, <laughs> and the 2% once a decade, those yeah. people are still working on VB <laughs> or assembly. Like, uh, awesome. <laughs> Uh, the it's kind of weird because like what do you classify as a thing you know um, they have another question here what do you do when you get stuck and Google was not one of the selections. I know visit Stack Overflow gee I wonder if that was skewed a little yeah. no come on I mean it if happens Stack Overflow answers I Google to get to it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly nobody exactly. goes to Stack Overflow directly no nope. yeah this result is a lie ninety percent visit Stack Overflow uh, I don't buy it nope. The only reason I type in Stack Overflow is to see if anybody has answered my question, and they never do. I like that panic was one of the options, though. Yeah, yeah, 10%. <laughs> uh, and I like how you panic before you go to the other developer community. <laughs> uh, meditates, one of them. Nobody yeah. meditates when they're trying to solve a problem. Get out of here. Apparently, uh, twelve, almost 12% do, and, uh, you know, they, they're probably better people for it, and, uh, you know, they probably have youth on their side. Where's Benjit? I don't see that on here. We're <laughs> <laughs> Greek. Oh, to be honest. Right. Yep. Uh, this is a funny one that they asked this year. Uh, already visited feeling. The first time we asked developers how they feel when they search for a coding solution online and discovered that the first result link is purple because they've already been there. <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about it? Are you 
annoyed, amused, indifferent, or hello, old friend. It's definitely hello, old friend. Yeah, 51%. I'm, I'm always looking. Like, I'll search something like, man, I know I visited this. I yep. need to see the purple link. Where is it? Yeah, there, there's a, a link that we've talked about uh, on the show that I shared as one of the tips of the week, I think, as it relates to, um, even though I've, I've done this command like a countless number of times, but if I want to undo the last commit, I always have, <laughs> I know exactly the Stack Overflow answer. I go look at that, yeah, but I, I always like, you know, just do the Google search because that's how you get to Stack Overflow. I don't yep. care what their survey says. Um, and then I see that purple link and I'm like, yep, that's the one. Yeah, yep, I'm familiar with that sort of thing. Get reset tilde one head something. All right. All right. We need to round robin these and blow through them now. So Joe, you want to take employment status? Yeah. Uh, I'll just tell you 92% of professional developers are employed at least part-time, uh, but 12% of the respondents just said they were students. All right. Cool. Outlaw employment status by geography. Uh, yeah, 78, almost 79%. Let's call it 78 and a half. How's that? We'll call in the middle. Uh, full-time employed, which I think is consistent with what Joe just said, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Status, so like no big surprise there. Oh, I'm sorry, but by geography, I, I did miss that part. I was just looking at the, the survey part. So that was for the U.S. It's weird though, this one, they actually like break it down by country. So I guess it's in India, it's 73%, UK, it's 77 Germany. 70 Canada 72 so everyone's greater than 70% full-time employed students in India there were quite a bit more students in India that's definitely interesting all right so I'll pick up the next one overtime this one this one everybody sort of feels so this is basically the number of people or the percent of people that never do overtime 11% rarely one to two days per year or less, 15% occasionally. So one to two days per quarter, but not monthly, 22%. One to two days per month, but less than weekly, 27%. And one to two days per week or more, 25%. So people people putting in some overtime for the most part. It's crazy too. Like I remember uh, I had an old boss that, like you ever you ever have that kind of like relationship with somebody to where like you know they can say something to you and you're like I don't know how serious you're being but I feel a little uncomfortable trying to verify <laughs> you know what I mean yeah that makes sense and and so like this was you know a, a long time back but I had a a, a boss and we were com- I was just you know casually oh I guess complaining would be the the way to say it <laughs> but. But it was more like casual conversation kind of thing, like kind of complaints, you know. But I, I was talking about like how uh, we had a high, we were measured on a high utilization rate. And and I was commenting like, hey, you know, if you looked at the math for like how many work hours there are in a, a 40-hour week, multiply that out by, you know, a number of uh, weeks in a year, and then subtract out like any holidays that the company gives plus any vacation, the vacation that the company gives you, to take, I was like, it's impossible to make the utilization target, right? And and completely deadpan, honest, straight face, he told me, well, you're supposed to work a minimum of like a 44 hour week. That's your minimum. And I'm and 
like I remember my response in my head was like, <laughs> legally in the U.S., you can't tell me that. I don't think I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure there's like labor laws that say that you can't tell me that. But it's really weird that that you are, a that you are telling me that, and that b that that would actually be the way that we would be measured considering the labor law thing. Cause I'm like pretty sure that's not, but you know, I didn't go to law school. So maybe that's what I should go back for my master's degree. In. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right, Joe, you got company size. Yeah. So um, if you guys had to guess uh, the most common company size, I already saw it. Okay. I'll, I'll just tell you it's uh it's small. Um, so 20 to 99 employees had 21%. And uh, the next biggest was 100 to 500. So uh, I would consider as both uh, like 500, I think is a pretty large business. But then there, there are some, you know, kind of things around that. But then 10,000 or more had 13%, which is interesting. Yeah. So the, the first two you said were 40% of the population there. So that's. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, we ran a survey kind of similar a, a while back, a couple of years ago. I don't remember the exact answer, but I know that um, definitely small businesses won out there. And we had very few in the 2,000 or more. Yep. All right, Outlaw, you got onboarding? Uh, yeah, sure. This is almost half of the respondents reported that their company has a good onboarding process. So uh, like 48 and a half percent. Yeah, that's that's good. That's actually really good. Uh, we've all been places where there weren't onboarding things. Yeah, <laughs> like, be hey, painful. go talk to Harold. No, <laughs> right, okay. Exactly. Thanks. I, I like that the options though. It wasn't it wasn't just binary yes or no. There was a third option which was yeah. onboarding. What onboarding? I'm totally. like, hey, wait a minute. I didn't write this survey. Yeah. Now this next one's really interesting. It'll probably do your heart a little bit good here, Outlaw. And it's the presence of DevOps personnel. So people doing that role, we'll call it. It's it's <laughs> almost almost split down the middle. So yes is forty four percent, no is forty four ish percent, and not sure. So people have no clue what DevOps is is twelve percent. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so if if you don't know, then the answer is. Yes, and you're not it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Although, I've been in places where there was no such thing as DevOps. It was like copy and paste your code over here. Oh, yeah. You know, there's production pasted over there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, how about the importance of of DevOps? So, 48% strongly are extremely important. So, that's that's comforting to know, right? Yeah. Like only 1.4% said it was not at all important. Those are people, man. But I think that this is also, again, highly skewed to who the audience of Stack Overflow is, right? So, so developers, we, we get it. We, we agree, you know, where, why you would want DevOps, uh, um, in your organization, but, you know, trying to convince a boss who doesn't see the value of it or has never had any experience with it, you know, they would likely say like, oh no, not important at all. Yeah. My process. So. All right, Joe, you got this. How do developers uh, feel about their job? So uh, we have another one to five here. Um, We have most people saying they're either slightly satisfied at 30% or very satisfied at 32%. That's actually the most. So, the people who are either slightly or very satisfied with their jobs are uh, 63% uh, 
of the vote. So, hey, great job to be in. Can't, but isn't this really a function of when in the week you ask the question? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> because, I mean, if you hit me up in the middle when I'm like still working on something, you know, I might be like really unsatisfied with my progress <laughs> on it, right? But yeah, then as it, as it gets further along and you're like, you finally solve that problem and you're like, ah, oh, commit it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had, I had a pretty bad day this week and I'm just like, look, if you want to ask me to do anything, can you just wait till tomorrow? <laughs> You'll get a better answer. Uh, we've all been there. All right. So we're going to skip several of these because there, there's still so much here and we're already running pretty long here. So one of the ones that I think people would be really interested in uh, or interested in is salary by developer type. And so this is, uh, I'll go with global first. So I'll hit like the top five. And then I'll switch over to the U.S. So engineering manager globally is 92000 a year. Engineering site reliability, 80000 It drops off pretty big, right? We just yeah. dropped twelve grand between first and second. Number three, DevOps specialist, sixty five or uh, 68000 So you just dropped another twelve grand from there. And then engineering data, 65000 And then data scientist was fifty eight. So big drop off. Yeah, and the and site reliability engineer—that was like a term that we weren't even talking about two, three years ago—and right. somehow it jumped up to number two. It's a big one. Got to keep all this stuff running, man. Yeah. All right. So in the U.S., it's—I think the positions. There's only a few of them that change place. So it's the same top five, but they just swapped roles. Actually, no. So yeah. DevOps specialists dropped down. So data scientists or machine learning jumped up. So here we go. Um, right. Same top five. They just moved in position. So here we go. Engineering manager, 152K. Engineering site reliability, 140K. Data scientist or machine learning specialist, 125. DevOps specialist, 125. And data engineer, 125. So, yeah. Now, it's surprising to see mobile uh, engineers being so low and uh, designers uh, in, in the U.S. way down at the bottom. Global, uh, not so bad, but... I, I can't design for anything, so I'm surprised to see it so low, but uh, just kind of interesting. And DBA near the, the lower end of things, too. Yeah, that's well, surprising. Also, but here's another interesting takeaway from this list, though. Of this list, of all of these jobs, every one of them are six figures in the yeah. U.S. In the U.S., yep. And and again, a lot of this is probably skewed when you go to the companies that are based out in Seattle, New York, that like their salaries are just higher. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. The cost of living in those areas is is so high that to even get people to come to work for them, they gotta pay. But it's important to point out though that these are the medians. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's there's lots of people lower and then there's lots of people higher, right? Half, half the people lower and half the people higher. What's not the mean, right? Right. right. Yeah, it's the, right in the middle. Yeah. Yep. So oh, okay. I see where you're going with that. So it's better than average because they're like average. You have one person who makes like 100 million and it skews. It just ruins the whole number. Yeah. The median's better. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else we wanted to hit on here? It doesn't look like the, the hours per week was interesting. More than half the people are like, no, I work 40 to 44 hours a week. That's it. Well, how about, how about this one of the respondents that like, how often do you think the respondents visit stack overflow? 90% of the time. 
Well, well, yeah. how about uh, your choices are going to be like you don't visit, uh, you've never visited at all, or you visit less than once per month, or you know, or once a few times per month, or weekly, or a few times per week, or daily, or multiple times per day. I want to say daily, multiple times per day. Those are definitely the top two. Yeah, yeah. That, those two answers right there are almost two thirds of the vote. So. Uh, daily or almost daily is 30% and multiple times per day is 28%. Uh, Makes sense. People go to people that go to Stack Overflow go to it a lot. Uh, You know, we were surprised to see Pearl being so high in the salary list. Um, They they have a bunch of visualizations we didn't talk about, but one of them shows like language and experience level. Well, Pearl developers on average have been working longer than everyone else. They've been, uh, on this chart, they're showing up at uh, like 15 years, roughly, of experience. So maybe they're not making money because they're working at Pearl. They're making money because they've been doing programming stuff for 15 years. On average, more than people who are working with like JavaScript, which like skews towards uh, younger developers and people have been doing it less time. So it's not necessarily that JavaScript gets paid less, but it's actually the experience that's influencing that number more than the language. Huh. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It's interesting. And I wonder too if that means like that Pearl is your primary job or just that you also do Pearl. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, all cool stuff. So uh, with that, you know, we're going to have uh, the link to the survey, obviously, in the resources we like section. But with that, we will head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. So, Joe? Oh, I get to go first. So, um, I just saw this today, and I signed up for it, and I haven't used it yet. Uh, FPN, Firefox Private Network. It's a VPN account that you sign up with. Uh, I think it's five devices uh, for $5 a month from Firefox. Well, Firefox is getting into the VPN game. I trust Firefox and Mozilla. Um, so... I've been meaning to sign up for a VPN again anyway. So why not support a browser and kind of organization that I respect? And so I haven't read too much about it. I saw a lot of kind of good chatter in the comments of like Hacker News and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's good enough for me. It's better than me picking a VPN based off, uh, you know, who comes up in Google first. Yeah, I like that logic. I could I could get behind that. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, for my tip of the week uh this was came to us on slack from derek and uh he mentioned sdkman.io so you can go there you can install download and install it and now when you need uh like a jdk you could just say sdk install jdk that's nice though. that's Can't amazing get any easier than that no so that you is, get a lot harder than that <laughs> you can get a lot harder can. That's really cool. All right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Now, now I haven't had a chance to use it yet, um, but I do have some needs that I'm like, oh, yeah, I, could, I think I am going to be uh, uh, finding myself using this here really soon. Cool. Oh, I wanted to mention quick. So when I signed up, I signed up on the wait list. It's not, uh, they're still rolling it out. So you got to go sign up now, get on the wait list, and then you can decide later if you want to actually do it. How okay. do you have to wait to get on the list? Uh, they don't say, 
<laughs> they don't say. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. All right. So I'll be um, here all the week with the dad jokes. <laughs> all right. So I've got two. One, I just got today from somebody that joined Slack. We've talked about it before. If you're not part of our Slack community, you should go check it out at codingblocks.net slash Slack. Tons of great people. Well, Gail Elmala from Slack had contacted me and was like, hey, I made this utility. Is it okay if I share it on some of the channels or would this be kind of like the wrong thing to do? I was like, well, tell me what it is and, you know, you know, go share it. And, you know, if it's cool enough, maybe I'll use this tip of the week. Well, it turns out it is cool enough. So in a nutshell, he created this thing called Scaffolder. And basically the gist of it is this. A lot of times you'll go create directories in your projects and those directories will have the same structure. The file should have the same headers, the same imports, all that same type stuff, right? Like think about if you're in .NET and you're writing a, a web API endpoint, right? It's, it's a bunch of boilerplate code, but you want things named a particular way. You want the classes named a particular way, all that stuff, right? So in a nutshell, this guy went and was like, huh, I wonder if Yeoman will do what I want to do. And he's like, it was too complicated, right? And then he looked at another tool and it was also just too complicated. He was like, I just want something that will template out my directories and my files and some of the stuff in them. And so because he couldn't find anything, he created his own thing called Scaffolder. He wrote a little Dev.2 article on it and it's really cool, right? Like it's a simple CLI type thing. You could tell it, hey, I want to create a component. It'll go create the files for you and the folder you want it in and all that kind of stuff. So it gets rid of a lot of the boilerplate code creation garbage that you end up having to do a lot of times on your own. And it versions with your code. So you can save the stuff in your repo. And then when you use it, it can be specific to your repo or you can make it something that works globally. So again, just somebody that looked at a problem said, hey, I think I can come up with a good way to solve this. So very nice. Go check it out and, you know, tell them that, that you heard about it from us, you know, yeah, and, you know, give them a thumbs up. All right. So this is awesome, but we got to talk about the elephant in the room here on, on well, I use that expression already once, but I'm going to use it again because have you looked at this article? Did you look at this article? Yeah, I read it. The font's crazy, huh? Right. Yep. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. Oh, you're talking about in the pictures? Yeah, yeah. he uses a cursive font. Yeah, for it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, whoa, why? Why would I? No. But <laughs> you say for the keywords, but it's not necessarily always keywords though, right? Yeah. Like props there. I see an example where that's like, that's crazy. I, I've never seen anyone that would do that has done that and now I'm thinking, like, do I want to do that? No. Right, yeah. You want your code to look cool. <laughs> I was offended, and then I was like, well, maybe. Then I was offended again, and now I'm back to maybe. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I want my my font to be, like, as monospaced as possible, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, so that was interesting. That That's the biggest takeaway I have from this. Well, that, that's good. Even though, All right. like, it's not intentional because like what he really did create here is awesome, but yeah. I'm sorry, gal. I can't, I can't, I can't do anything with these guys. All right. So, <laughs> um, the other, of course I have another tip and I'll try and keep this one as short and concise as possible. So if you get into Docker, we've already said that you should be getting familiar with Docker and probably also Kubernetes, right? And there's been a divide, a disconnect in the world of doing Docker for a while. Like, 
if you needed to spin up multiple services, if you've seen some of Joe Zach's talks or my talks on Kafka or Elasticsearch or anything like that, we usually have a Docker Compose file, right? And the Docker Compose file lists out the services that we want to start up. So for me, it might be the Kafka Broker, Zookeeper, Elasticsearch, SQL Server, that kind of stuff, right? Well, the disconnect is this. When you go to actually operationalize that thing in a production world or something, you don't publish a Docker Compose because Docker Compose doesn't keep it running. It just says, hey, this is the state that I want to start up, and that's what it's going to be, right? If for some reason your SQL Server crashes or your Kafka broker crashes, nothing's going to restart that, right? Like it, it's just, hey, go back and start the service again. Um, hopefully you got a pager on. In a release type world, you're probably going to want to use something like Kubernetes because it will actually try and maintain the state of an application saying, okay, I need three Kafka brokers up. If one of them dies for some reason, Kubernetes is going to go in and try and resurrect that thing. And by resurrect, actually, I mean, it's going to kill the one that's down and then create a new one and replace it, right? Now, here's the problem. Docker Compose was always the friendly way to, th to do things in a developer environment. But that means that you're setting something up specific to your local development. So what you're doing locally doesn't match what you plan on deploying out in the world, right? And that's, that's a problem. Well, in the past, it was sort of a pain to try and use Kubernetes locally unless you were just trying to see if it was going to run because it didn't match a a developer story, right? Like you couldn't do a Docker build with Kubernetes. It, did, it, it didn't exist, right? Whereas Docker compose file, you could say, hey, when you run this thing, I want you to run the build on this particular Docker file and it would do all that. Scaffold marries the two, which is really nice. Um, you know, one of the guys we work with, I call him out, Bobby, he actually set this thing up and and I think Outlaw, you two were probably the ones that talked about it and, and brought it to life. And it's beautiful. So you can truly set up this scaffold environment that will launch a Kubernetes cluster for you. But in the process, you can also have it do Docker builds for you, build up containers, um, commit those containers, use those containers in your Kubernetes cluster. So you truly get a mixture of, hey, I want the same thing that I'd be running in a real environment to also launch and run on my local, but have all the dev build goodness that comes along with it. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to take the credit from, from Bobby for that. Um, other than to say, like, I definitely you know, wanted to encourage that we go that route, but yeah, he definitely led that effort. Um, but you noticed that you also had two scaffold, uh, yeah. Tips of the week. So that's not confusing at all. <laughs> huh? One has a K and one's got a C. Yeah, you have scaffolder and scaffold. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> see, I'm all about the scaffolds this week. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Apparently, so yeah, killer, 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 good stuff. If you are planning on getting into there, so definitely check those out. All right, well, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. If uh, you happen to be listening to this because a friend, uh, you know, sent you a link to the site or you know let you hear it on their device. Uh, you can subscribe to us. You can find us on all the major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your favorite one is. Uh, and if you have a favorite that you can't find us, let us know and uh, we will be sure to correct that. And, you know, as Joe said earlier, uh, you know, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a review, even though it did 
it is going to cost Joe dearly this time. Uh, so you can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review where you can find some helpful links. Yep. And while you're up there, definitely make sure you check out our show notes. They're typically very helpful and go along with the shows. Um, check out our examples, discussions, and more. And hey, if you got any feedback and quids, and questions and rants take it to the slack now we know that 53 percent of y'all are using slack at work so uh hop on in and hang out and uh also make sure to follow us on twitter at codingblocks or head over to codingblocks.net and find all of our social links there at the top of the page <laughs>